Chapter Twenty of Zara the Cruel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zara the Cruel by Joan Conquest. Chapter Twenty Tyrannical Cheating of Ill Omen. Arabic Proverb. The overpowering heat of the day had given place to the lesser heat of early evening as the sun sank behind the western edge of the mountain ring. The interior of the ring looked like the inside of some rough-edged painted flower-pot with great purple-blue-black foundation, and sides of green and richest reds and browns melting to saffron, topaz, amethyst, and rose, crowned by great peaks which seemed to flicker in the terrific heat radiated by the sun-scorched rock little golden pink and crimson clouds faintly stirred by the blessed evening breeze sailed serenely across a sky of deepest blue which stretched a gorgeous canopy above the heads of the men seated on the ground or up the gentle incline rising from the plateau those opposite the steps down which zara would have to pass sat with knees to chin placidly chewing cot or smoking red or black siebel and longer pipes with big open bowl. Those to the north and south of the steps sat sideways, also contentedly chewing or smoking, with eyes fixed upon the steep path. There was no laughing, no gambling, no betting upon the outcome of the different sporting items in the tournament for which they had foregathered. They were strangely quiet, with a certain expectancy in their eyes, and a vast amount of meaning in their expressive gestures as they commented upon and argued about tales the Nubians had spread about their mistress's strange behavior of the night before. Bismallah, upon the very edge, with one eye upon the running water, into which the lion thought she desired to throw herself, and one eye upon the white man, who by the wool is a man of strong heart, even if he be an infidel. Bowlegs laughed as he stretched his circular limbs and pressed himself against his neighbor, so as to make room for Yosef, as he came towards them, led by his ears, down the path made for him through the serried ranks. "'Welcome, brother, thou true believer in the shaven crown,' cried the handsome youth who had been swung like a club, and who had not followed the precepts of the prophet to the extent of shaving his head. "'Hast heard that the white woman—' who holdeth the heart of the man who loveth her, and who is loved of the beautiful Zara, and may Allah guide their footsteps in the crookedness of their paths. As he spoke, he pushed his way between Bolegs and Yusuf, and as he looked up into the mutilated face, touched the blind man gently. Hast heard that the tiger-cat, in her rage, has caused the head of a white woman to be shaven, so that if she were lost in the Roba al-Kali, the ostrich might even wished to brood upon it as her egg. The men shouted in ribald mirth as they bandied jokes, mostly unprintable in their oriental flavor. "'Yea, and shaven after the setting of the sun,' said the patriarch bitterly, whilst every man in earshot touched his favorite lucky amulet or made the finger gesture against ill luck. "'Behold, will Zara's mocking of fate surely bring catastrophe upon the camp? For what but misfortune can follow the shaving of a crown after the setting of the sun. The fine sons of one of the most superstition-ridden races in the world performed divers' tricks to placate the fury of the false god of ill luck they had raised up in their minds. 
then continued in their merriment who has seen the shaven head no eyes have seen the head o oh brother but mine own eyes have seen namla the busy seated like a bee in the heart of a golden flower weaving a kerchief from the infidel's wondrous hair bowlegs shouted with laughter yea verily a kerchief to replace the gentle zara's garments torn asunder twixt her teeth and fingers in her wrath at the white man's coldness or to wipe the tiger's cat's face which wet with tears and hot with anger was like an overripe fruit of the dome tree fallen upon the sand or to remove the dust from her chamber wrecked like unto a house swept by the hurricane with feathers of many fowl liberated from the burst cushions clinging to the silken curtains and her hair prodded by fate the handsome youth turned and laid his hand on yusuf's arm whilst the men crowded closer yet to listen to their conversation o oh, brother he said laughingly thou who hast suffered thou who even now dost past sleepless nights of pain wilt thou not in thy goodness to quieten the agony of the tiger-cat's gentle heart give unto her a few drops of the sweet water prescribed thee by yon herbalist for sleep yusuf smiled as best he could for the distortion of his mouth as he searched his cummerbund and pulled out a flask filled with the strong narcotic he took to still the throbbing of his torn nerves when the wind blew from the north tis overpowerful little brother a drop too little then she wakes from her sleep like a tigress bereft of her cubs a drop too much and she wakes not at all twenty drops and what the voice from behind was stilled suddenly as the men rose quickly and stood staring up to the platform outside zara's dwelling zara stood looking down she stood almost upon the spot from where some years ago she had hurled her spear at the fighting dogs and killing the one intended for a gift to her father's guest had followed the decree of fate who had tangled her life's thread with those of her white prisoners zara is the queen of loveliness yeah with hair like the setting sun the hawk-eyed men with the superb sight of those who live in the clear atmosphere of great spaces criticized in detail the arabian's garments which at such a distance would have shown as a white blur to the eyes of the westerner accustomed as he is to an horizon bounded by walls and a sky ever limited by chimney-pots or partially obliterated by smoke or fog the white man tarries would that the lion were here to tell once again of the calmness of his fate in the storm of yesternight perchance does his heart fail at the thought of the maiden's shaven crown likewise does she tarry fearful perchance of beholding her lover's eyes empty of love-light she gave her the vinegar to drink on the wings of flies yusuf touched his sad face as he quoted the proverb verily were the words of wisdom written to describe the refinement of the tortures our thrice gentle mistress meteth out to her prisoners there was not a movement not a whisper from the men when zara turned and lifted her hand but there came a great cry from hundreds of throats as helen appeared in the doorway followed by the two gigantic abyssinian women hast seen the shaven crown brother the handsome youth turned to yusuf who stood with his sightless face raised to the skies nay blind one he replied quietly all the merriment gone from his face i have seen the white woman she stands behind the dread zara her golden hair even the length of thy longest finger twining about her head like a crown of flowers upon a young acacia tree she is like an orchid of choice fruit in her beauty yea like an orchid of pomegranates and peaches 
and as the gentle incline of the rocks where the evening sun kisseth the oranges and apricots and luscious fig if it were not that she is of a race of infidels likewise cursed with a spirit of mockery and a lack of gratitude i would e'en woo her in the shadows of the night and make of her my woman he moved forward drawn by helen's radiant beauty as she descended the steps fanning zara with a circular painted fan of dried palm leaves the men stood as though spellbound at the sight of the two beautiful girls they forgot the tournament their wrath their merriment they stood speechless staring they moved forward in a body as zara reached the bottom step and made a way for her up to where an ebony chair inlaid with gold stood upon a carpet of many colors the expression of zara's sullen face was almost as black as the shadows spreading halfway up the mountains her heavy brows were bent above her strange eyes her crimson mouth set in a line which boded no good to those who might thwart her a chance word an indiscreet gesture would be spark enough to start the conflagration and fate close to the helen raynor stood ready to fire the arabian's raging jealousy as ralph trenchard followed by the nubian walked slowly from the men's quarters towards them there was not a sound and scarcely a movement in the vast throng of men as they stood looking from one to the other of the three who even in the desert made the seemingly inevitable love triangle and so enthralled were they and so oblivious were the three who composed the triangle to their surroundings that no notice was taken of the downtrodden docile women who headed by namla and imbued with the spirit of insubordination which was sweeping the camp also with a fierce desire to see the white woman's shaven head crept in ones and twos from behind the rock buttress which hid their quarters from the greater part of the plateau they stole along the river edge behind their men who were too engrossed in the picture before them even to bet let alone to notice the doings of their womenkind they crept up behind the gigantic abyssinian women who stood behind zara's chair and turned and looked at them as a couple of yemen buffaloes might turn to inspect an ant-heap the radiance of the blazing sky seemed to fill the mountain ring for a moment as ralph trenchard passed down the path made for him by the men and stood suddenly clear of them and exactly opposite helen as she fanned the arabian the mountains echoed helen's name as he called to her holding out his arms and her cry of joy as she flung the circular fan with pointed edges sideways so that by mischance it caught the arabian's hair and ran to her lover the rocks echoed zara's screams of wrath and pain as her sharp order to the abyssinians and the downtrodden women's screams of hate as they swept round the chair headed by namla and cut helen off zara shrieked in agony as the fan pulled her head down to one side scratching her face and shoulder and beat the arms of the chair and the abyssinians glistening bodies as they tried their best to relieve her while she fought like a wild cat with her eyes fixed on the fight which was taking place in front of her the women were trying to prevent helen from reaching her lover and the men were endeavoring and none too gently to push the women on one side so that the white man they had come to admire and like might meet the woman of his heart they did it for the sport of the thing and to assert their authority over their women also in their heart of hearts was there a certain amount of admiration for helen's beauty and courage 
the women who had come to titter and jeer at helen's bald head were consumed with wrath at their disappointment and fought their men tooth and nail taking advantage of the scrum to pay off many an old score and avenge many a lash of the whip or tongue the men amused at first then astounded then really angry at the sudden exhibition of women's rights slapped their own particular women-folk with the flat of their hand then smote them smartly with the mijon and finally took them violently until their sleek heads seemed like to leave their shoulders and their beautiful teeth to break in their chattering ralph tranchard stood at the back of the men who slapped and shook and cursed helen stood looking towards him towering above the dusky little women like a young acacia tree in the bush in spite of the peril in which they knew themselves to stand they smiled across and called messages to each other which were lost in the universal torrents of abuse and vociferous yelling interspersed with screams and sounds of slapping and tearing namla wedged on the outer circle of the maelstrom fought like a fury to get at helen screaming abuse hurling her fighting sisters from her path in the excess of her screaming rage while yusuf led by his eyes rattled his staff on the shins of the gentler sex as he strove to reach namla bowlegs brought about their meeting aided by the mighty muscle of his legs he leapt free of the shrieking sisterhood high into the air and in a manner somewhat reminiscent of a hawk and a field mouse pounced upon his second and obese wife whom he had spied fighting with the best in much torn raiment the tremendous impact from above flung her backwards against namla who in turn was flung backwards against yusuf proceeded a pretty passage of arms and tongues between these two during which the blind man slipped a silver bottle down the front of namla's torn kamis while she belabored him and yusuf's eyes rained blows upon his mother's back ay 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 she wailed as she rolled the flask in the top part of her torn petticoat wouldst tear the very tenura from my limbs thou wifeless childless break of the prophet's law push me forward ha that's what push me forward thou rascal son of mine even unto the first line of my fighting sisters well push push hard so that i leave the mark of my nails upon the white girl's face helen turned at the sound of the woman's voice and raised herself on tiptoe the better to see and caught the look of the dusky little woman's twinkling eye which in no wise responded to the wrath of her voice and gestures yea white woman she shrieked come nearer to me or let me come nearer unto thee if thou art not afraid i will show thee what manner of a woman it is thou didst mimic and mock afraid cried helen forcing a way through the men afraid come to me and she reeled back as namla flung herself upon her pushed by her son who pulled the blind man after him whilst the men who were not actually engaged in taming their shrews surged round them shouting in delight namla landed right on helen's chest to which she clung as a woodpecker to a tree trunk take this ten drops this night before she sleeps then wait in the shadows she whispered loudly with great excitement take this ten drops this night before she sleeps then wait in the shadows she whispered then shrieked ha thou infidel i would tear out thine eyes i yusuf's eyes suddenly and forcibly pinched the underpart of his mother's arm upon which she yelled let go her hold on helen and leapt at him then slid meekly to earth and tried to cover her face with her torn veil which she spread out to arm's length as helen hid the silver flask in her belt the sun had set 
leaving the sky in a tumult of violent coloring through which in a small patch of deepest blue shone one great star helen looked upon the banners of gold and red and orange the curtains of saffron the trails of rose and wispy bands of gray then looked across at zara who walked slowly towards her blood trickling down her scratched cheek her eyes flamed in her white face which showed over the top of the dead black satin cloak she had wrapped round her like a skin and ralph trenchard who saw the menace in her sombre eyes and the cruel twist to her mouth seized the men nearest him and threw them on one side as he raced to get to helen before the arabian could reach her he was a second too late even as he touched her one of the gigantic abyssinian women reached her and lifting her like a straw carried her to where zara stood insolently contemptuously watching the scene whilst yosef stepped in front of him and pushed him back as his eyes got tangled up in his feet for god's sake get out of my way you fool trenchard shouted and lifted the dumb youth by the neck of his juba and dropped him and yosef rushed blindly at him guided by his voice "'Tonight, when the dog barks thrice,' he whispered, then shouted, "'Harm not mine eyes, lest I stray from the right path, so that—' He stopped, and turned, as Helen's voice came clearly through the night air. "'Don't worry about me, Ra. I'm all right. No one can harm me,' she cried, then stepped back quickly as Ara turned on her, and seized her by the wrist, pulled her forward. Held by Yusuf, who whispered without ceasing, Trenchard stood in the center of a semicircle of men and women, with the patriarch at the end, nearest Zara and Helen, and Namla, in a most indecorous and disheveled state at the other. The two beautiful girls stood exactly opposite the man they loved, with the gigantic negress close behind. Move not. Have patience until the dog barks thrice tonight. Make no effort to help. All is well. Allah watches over thee and thine in need. Nay, make no sign. Nothing can be done to her until the morrow. Yusuf whispered without ceasing, whilst, sick to the heart at the menace in the air, Ralph Trenchard stood waiting, with what patience he could command. Zara raised her hand, and, fully aware of the backing she would get from the women, began to speak. I am speaking for my children, she cried. The children this white woman has mocked and derided, and for whom she has not had one word of thanks, not one little feeling of gratitude. Nam, Nam, wailed Namla, in full acquiescence. For myself I do not mind that she strikes me until the blood runs, but my children I will protect. Ah, wailed Namla, crouching on the ground and beating her breast with much vigor. And I will punish those who hurt my children. Yea, I will make of them a sport. A mock. The white man, nay, Al-Assad, came thou to me. The white man I bear no ill will, for he has worked well among my sons. She put her hand upon the Nubian's arm when he ran across to her, and smiled up into his handsome face as she shook her head. I am mistress here. Thou shalt not touch the white man. For the white woman... She looked at Helen, who looked at her then across to Ralph Trenchard, who stood with Yosef's hand upon his arm and his eyes at his feet. For the white woman who has derided my children, I do now place her amongst them as their servant, and to humiliate her, 
even as she has humiliated them. Do order the Abyssinian Aswa to shave her head this instant, before us all, so that she appears not before mankind without... Her words were drowned in the scream which burst uncontrollably from Helen, and the shout from her lover as he flung himself toward her, only to be tripped by the dumb youth at his feet. Rah! Rah! cried Helen, clutching her lovely curls in both hands. For God's sake, save me, Ra! Don't let them do it! Don't! Don't! She turned and struck the negress across the face, as the Abyssinian caught her by the arm, and struck again and again as Ralph Trenchard tore at the arms of the youth who clung to him. Like a leech, Helen made no other sound as she wrenched herself free from the woman who held her, nor when filled with the desire to kill she flung herself upon Zara. The Arabian stepped back quickly and laughed, laughed until the place rang with the sound then flung off her mantle and drove her dagger down into Helen's heart, just as the patriarch sprang and caught her hand. Helen turned and ran towards her lover, and struck at Namla, who suddenly caught her by the knees and held her, screaming abuse. The men and women stood silent, looking from one to the other of the three principals in the love drama, then turned their attention to the patriarch, who by that time was speaking. He made a magnificent picture as he imposed his will upon the furious woman, for the welfare of his brethren. In the days of thy father, the sheik, my daughter, he said, no blood was spilled, no punishment proclaimed after the setting of the sun. If thou desirest the death of this woman, then must thou wait until sunrise. Neither shalt thou bring misfortune upon this camp by shaving a head after the setting of the sun. That also must thou order to be done after its rising. Wah! Wah! yelled the men, and smote the women who dared to differ. And for fear of the wrath of these women, who should have the whip laid across them for their unseemly behavior? Keep thou the white woman in thy chamber to-night. Yea, cried Yosef, walking forward, led by his eyes, until he stood exactly opposite the Arabian who withdrew apace before his terrible appearance. And in the name of thy father, O Zara, and for fear of the Nubian's wrath being vented upon him before the rising of the sun, I claim the watching of the white woman this night. Fear not that he sleeps over sweetly in my care. He turned and spat in Ralph Trenchard's direction, then, led by his eyes, strode towards him and seized him by the arm. Thou infidel, he cried savagely, thou and thy white woman. Zara raised her hand. The women to the cooking, the men to the eating, the morrow for the punishment. She turned and looked at Ralph Trenchard, her eyes filled with a terrible jealousy. Look upon thy white woman for the last time, for behold, the morrow thou shalt be taken back across the desert by the road by which thou didst come unto her. She shall work here amongst my people, with her shaven head for a space. Then I will send her to the slave market, where her white skin will fetch a great price. Get thou up, Helen, or a gnaw. She pointed up the steps. Helen turned and held out her arms. Ra! Beloved, I love you. The Arabian struck down her arms, as Yusuf pulled Ralph Trenchard back. Come thou with me, thou infidel, he cried. Get thou up, Helen, Raynor commanded the Arabian. The stars blazed in the sky as the women scuttled back to their quarters. The men talked together. Behold, is my acacia tree no luck? 
said the handsome youth. "'As saith the proverb of those whose luck changeth not,' replied Bowlegs, as he shook his fist after his retreating, obeisant second wife. "'The misfortune either falls upon the camel, or upon the camel-driver, or upon the owner of the camel. Ha! Wouldst show me what thou hast learned from the white man?' He caught the Arab who had sprung at him, in a friendly desire to show his pugilistic skill, tossed him on one side like a bundle of clothes, and shouted defiance to the whole camp. So, that the tournament, if somewhat impromptu and lacking a referee, took place after all, and lasted well into the night. End of chapter 20 Jesus